Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tony Katz. This is Kendall and Casey. The Amber and Nigel Show. All right, uh, when does your show start? Do we know? I feel like I've been promoting this for nine years now. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. I uh, regret to inform you, uh, and this is, this is so very difficult to inform you, uh, that today the Satanists have just had a, a real rough one. Um, the Baphomet statue. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, you don't know Baphomet. Baphomet is uh, one of the chief demons of Satan, and uh, he was on display. Um, by the way, this is who ancient tribes, um, you know, uh, sacrificed children to. Um, Baphomet is attributed to uh, be the demon behind, um, like, who Baal was. So just, like, incredible, incredible Satanist nonsense. Um, well, this was a display that was put up at the Iowa State Capitol to, to celebrate, um, well, nothing, actually. It was put up as a provocative statue. Um, there is absolutely no one um, that I guarantee you that put up that statue that actually truly worships Baphomet. And if they do, they need mental assistance immediately. Um, again, in every single piece of text that we have in human history, guys, Satan has been the bad guy. Um, and by the way, the the Satanic Temple or or the official organization for Satanism has admitted that they don't actually really believe in Satan or worship Satan. They're really just doing this because they hate Christians and they hate Jews. And they're like exceptionally open about that. They hate the God Jehovah. They hate Elohim. Uh, they despise uh, that he rules and reigns. And so they exist literally just to test everyone's patience. And with the attitudes towards Christianity and towards Judaism this year, uh, a man destroyed uh, the exhibit uh, in the Iowa State Capitol. So uh, a spokesperson for the Iowa State Police told media that Michael Cassidy, age 35, was arrested after allegedly tearing down the Iowa Satanic Temple's Baphomet display. He was charged with fourth-degree criminal mischief. And, uh, of course, the Satanists are just having a cow. Um, no, 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 not one of the golden ones that they worship. No, they, they were having a cow, as in they, they were throwing a bit of a conniption. And the reason they're throwing a bit of a conniption is because they say this is a hate crime. Oh, it's a hate crime towards Satanists. Oh, it's horrible. It's just a desecration of the First Amendment. Everyone should get to worship who they want. And and all of a sudden, all of these people on the left have standards. You can't just tear down a statue because it's offensive. Oh, you how, how would so, you think that someone would get offended and tear a statue down in the country where you don't have a right to tear down someone else's property? That is just Horrible, And this is a standard that we have held forever. We have never held perhaps an, an alternative standard that, that might be uh, considered a little different. Oh, wait a minute. We've spent the last four or five years tearing down all kinds of statues and watching as groups of people destroyed property because of what they believed in. And the leftists got on TV and on the radio and on social media and said, it's just property. Come on, everybody's got insurance. Oh, you, you you don't believe me? Perhaps perhaps you may think that, like many individuals on Twitter X and, and on uh, CNN and MSNBC today, that, well, these were legally voted measures. 
that they took down these statues in 2020, 2021, and 2022. These, these were legal people held to vote. There was a democratic process. The board of trustees ruled, and then the statues that were horrible, ab- abhorrent slavery statues were taken down. That's what really happened. Only that's not what happened. A statue of Confederate General Stonewall Jackson in Richmond, Virginia, on July 1st was taken down by order of Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney after several uh, statues had been uh, already torn down. He had that statue torn down by emergency powers. He said, quote, to speed up the healing process for the formal capital of the Confederacy. Okay, so just one Confederacy statue, not a problem. After all, uh, being a general in the Confederacy doesn't sound like a very good thing. Uh, And in Frankfort, Kentucky, a statue of Confederate President Jefferson Davis was removed from the rotunda of the Capitol building on June 13th of 2020. Again, if a vote was taken, it was removed. Okay. Uh, Statue vandalized in uh, Richmond, Virginia on June 22nd of uh, GEB Jeb Stewart. Uh, And then a statue toppled in Birmingham, Alabama on June 1st of 2020. The head of a statue of Christopher Columbus was pulled off amid protests against racial inequality in Boston on June 10th. Oh, no, no, no vote was taken. They just pulled the statue down. Uh, let's see. A statue of uh, a, a Georgian statue uh, of a statesman was pulled down in Decatur, Georgia on June 18th. Houston city workers removed a statue of Dick Doling on Herman Park on June 17th. Uh, Christopher Columbus statue in St. Paul, Minnesota was torn down and destroyed on June 10th. Uh, let's see. Oh, so many fantastic examples here. A statue of Albert Pike in Washington, D.C. was torn down on June 19th. Another statue of Christopher Columbus in Richmond, Virginia was also torn down. Uh, a statue of uh, or a reproduction of Thomas Ball's Emancipation Memorial with Abraham Lincoln was torn down on June 16th in Boston. A Christopher Columbus statue was torn down by protesters in St. Louis on June 16th of 2020. On June 19th, or Juneteenth, as it's called, a statue of George Washington was pulled down from the lawn outside the German-American Society in Northeast Portland, Oregon. In 2021, in November, a statue of Thomas Jefferson was removed from New York City Hall after 187 years. Uh, Most of these statues that were torn down were not torn down because of officially voted legislative whatevers, but were torn down or removed via executive orders because people's feelings were really hurt that the statues were up. Now, sure, a lot of people claimed that there was a lot of important cultural history to those statues, that maybe they thought that it encompassed a certain part of things that were very near and dear to their hearts, but that didn't matter because someone was offended. And all of a sudden, though, now that a, a satanic display in Iowa has been slandered, oh, oh, suddenly this is too far. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a quote from Mitch McConnell, of all people. In 2013, when the Democrat-controlled Senate overturned the nuclear or overturned the idea that, that two-thirds of the Senate needed to vote in order to uh, appoint members to federal positions, they introduced what's called the nuclear option, meaning you only need 51 votes in order to approve someone or appoint someone to a position. And Mitch McConnell issued a warning. You may regret this. As soon as you start tearing down the rules, as soon as the genie is out of the bottle, it's awfully difficult to shove him back inside. 
And to all of the individuals on the left that are mourning over the loss of the satanic statue, oh, it's so terrible, I laugh. Do I laugh because I condone the statue being torn down? No, I think that freedom of religion is very important. Do I not think that the man should have been charged? No, I think that what he did was illegal. Do I care? No, I don't, because you've already let the genie out of the bottle. I watched as businesses were looted and destroyed through the BLM riots because I was told that's just property. People are just getting the reparations. You know, those businesses really hurt their feelings. And uh, I'm not just the one saying that. People said that to reporters. Care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That's reparations. That is reparations. Anything they want to take, take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. Oh, well, if, if your people aren't getting anything, that's a reason that you can break the law and destroy things. And if you say, well, this is actually about freedom of religion, I remind you that in 2023 alone, 115 buildings has have been defamed and smeared and vandalized and in some cases burnt down because they supported Christian things like pro-life principles. 38 churches, 64 pregnancy centers, one maternity home, four political organizations, six billboards and advertisements, and one memorial were attacked because people were offended that Christians had certain principles. So no, I'm not shedding any tears for the loss of a satanic statue in Iowa because uh, everyone else has been playing by different rules. I'm not going to stand up here and go, well, we all need to play by the rules now, like a lot of moderate Republicans. I'm going to win. I'm going to make sure that if the other side is going to play dirty, I'm going to turn a blind eye when the right pulls some of the same stuff. Up next, we're going to be talking to Tyler O'Neill because Disney is in serious trouble. It turns out that bribery with government officials is on the table. You're listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Go, 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 go. On this count of three, is the Tony go, Kennett go, Cast go, on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. So uh, I, I'm told by uh, producer Allison over the, the commercial that my lovely clip of Mitch McConnell ringing true didn't play. So uh, we're going to throw that up real quick because you guys do have to hear this. It didn't come through again, did it, Allison? <laughs> no, it didn't. I'm sorry. I tell you what, just some of, sometimes these days just get too long. Tyler, are you out there, my man? Yes, sir. <laughs> How so you doing? So I... I'm good. I could not believe the news that broke. I, I, I watched your report. I looked at it again and again, and it, it absolutely befuddles me. So uh, Disney has been giving perks, bribes, one might say, and all kinds of crazy stuff to their, their former governing authority. Why don't you break that down for us? Yeah, very crazy stuff. So this used to be, you know, it used to be called the Reedy Creek Improvement District. And the it's it's Disney's dirty secret down in Florida when they were building Walt Disney World, they got a special deal with the government. But of course, nothing is more permanent than a temporary government district. And so they got this this district to help grease the skids as they built Walt Disney World. And then they just kept having the district. 
And the way that this district was run, it's Disney essentially controlled it. And it's because they were the majority landowner in the area. And for a while, the, the employees of the district were essentially treated as Disney employees. And then eventually they decided, oh, that's too much. And they, they made the district entirely separate. So, I mean, it was the, it was the government entity there overseeing Disney World. But, the, um, but what ended up happening was um, as, they, as they separated, the, the perks that these former Disney employees had were grandfathered in. And so they, they kept these extreme, you know, these, these are the kind of things that a Disney fan can only dream of. Like, if yeah. you shill out a huge amount of money, maybe you can get a pass for two or four Disney parks in specific areas for a day, for a limited amount of time. These employees got one pass for themselves that would get them into any Disney park worldwide, except Tokyo for some reason. And they got one for themselves, and that, that lasted pretty much any time they wanted. One for their spouse. And then they got three transferable tickets per household uh, that they that they could transfer and they could give to anybody to get into any of these parks at any time. And if they had more dependents, they could get even more of these passes. And this is you know this is the government, the local government that's meant to oversee Disney, being given all of these perks, all these passes. And they're expected to make the rules and apply the rules evenly for Disney and Disney's competitors in the area. I mean, it's it's rampant corruption. And when DeSantis finally moved against this district, you know, and these these documents came out, we could see just how bad the whole situation was. We're on with uh, Tyler O'Neill from The Daily Signal breaking this incredible scandal. Uh, The Walt Disney Company uh, had engaged for years in bribery of the very local officials that were meant to oversee uh, that to kind of ensure that Disney was doing everything it was supposed to do in its little weird governance zone and also to ensure that it was being uh, treated in the same way and also that it was meeting the same standards as other parks and organizations in the area. So I I just can't. Have we actually calculated um, a dollar amount for the value of the passes that these, for lack of a better term, these pseudo county state employees were given? Yeah. So the 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 funny thing is, the the Reedy Creek Improvement District finally started paying Disney for the benefit of these passes, unbeknownst to the employees who are getting them. So these local government officials, right, they think that Disney is giving them these passes for free. Meanwhile, the taxpayer has to shell out money for them. And the the amount that they paid for these passes increased over the years. So the Reedy Creek District paid $713,000, again, taxpayer money, for the passes in 2013. By whoa, 2021, whoa. yeah, yeah, 700, $713,000. By 2021, it was up to 2.1 million. Wait, these and are an, these are that's annual annual purchases or like in total? Yes. In well, in a- in total. So, but no, no, no. In, as in as in each year, yeah. So annual each year. So like, you know, in 2013, 713 thousand. By 2021, 
$2 million. And that's every year. And that's Reedy Creek Improvement District taking taxpayer money, giving it to Disney, and not telling employees that they're actually paying for this. So we have these emails where these local government officials are thanking Disney for these steep discounts they're getting. You know, they also got discounts on Disney cruises. They got access to some of these shops that only Disney employees can go to. They got got the royal treatment, and they had no idea that the taxpayer was actually paying for this. And so they thought that Disney was just being super nice. And one of the – so it's it's this weird, like – both and situation where Disney is enriching itself at the taxpayer's expense and everybody who is getting these benefits thinks that Disney is just, you know, just being nice to them, just paying them off. And so Disney gets treated with this absurd deference where you see these emails. There are these, these local government employees who are expressing concern about how much they have to kowtow to Disney and, Another, the other employee just says, oh, yeah, welcome to my life. You know, it's like this is a normal thing, and it, it doesn't matter that we're all essentially Disney serfs, even though we're tasked with making sure things are fair with Disney and with all the other parks in the area. I mean, this is, this is some Chicago in the 1920s style mob bribery. I mean, this is, this is insane. I, I, it's incredible because again with disney doesn't just come access to the park those kind of passes include things like food and perks and all other kinds of sundries that they get access to and it's yeah, it's, it's yeah dude i i am i mean i'm dumbstruck here because we thought that that disney was just they had this little county governance zone and so they were just kind of keeping it to themselves so that they could kind of write their own laws for their little area and maybe avoid some state regulation and then we thought well also you know what they were producing in company was kind of disturbing not really meant for kids maybe a lot of political undertones now we're finding out due to your expose that Disney has engaged in the state and federal definition of bribery, not just to, you know, those around the state, not just to people that they like. And, you know, maybe like give, you know, some companies send special things to people that they want to review their products on social media. Disney is taking government officials, this reedy special district area employees who are tasked with keeping Disney to a certain standard. And yeah. are giving them tangible goods, and 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 that again, and it's also later on, it's on top of the taxpayer. I mean, this is this is nuts, man. Like this is almost yeah, I mean, like congressional hearing level nuts. <laughs> it's almost Bob Menendez gold bars nuts. I was it was um, exactly what popped into my head. <laughs> but but I mean, it's, it's weird too because as soon as DeSantis starts moving against the district we get this flurry of activity where the, you get these emails. And I mean, this is, this is all dead to rights. These are files from the old district where the district, the local government employees are reaching out to Disney and trying to have, and trying to have a game plan so mm-hmm. they can keep all their perks even when the district is, is uh, destroyed. And they're not, they're not talking about this just among themselves. They're scheming with Disney to keep the grift going once DeSantis makes, you know, once DeSantis takes over. And right, so right. here you have not only this 
extremely incestuous relationship that's going on that's, you know, as, as you pointed out, almost the textbook definition of bribery. But you also have a plan to keep it going when they know that the jig is almost up. Yeah, the gravy train has to keep rolling. Tyler O'Neill, Daily Signal, thanks for this expose. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tony. Absolutely. You're listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Just a curbside profit with my hand you know, Another in my day, another press conference with Karine Jean-Pierre or someone from the Biden administration telling you that prices are going down, only prices aren't really going down, and it seems like that dollar's just not getting as far as it used to. Joining us this evening on the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC is EJ and Tony. He's a research fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget. And I brought him on this evening because uh, it's kind of hard to kind of encapsulate this entire situation in a way that's both articulate and sophisticated. So, uh, Anthony's probably one of the only guys I know that can lay it out flat. So tell me, how is inflation going in the country around this time of year, EJ? Oh, Tony, I, I wish I had better news, but unfortunately, prices continue to march higher. Now, they're not marching higher quite as fast as they were before, and, and that's why we say that inflation has come down. But, you know, the White House keeps muddying the waters here on inflation versus prices. That's a they surprise. Do it, they do it with these press statements like, you know, inflation is coming down, and we're doing everything we can to ensure that prices continue coming down. Wait, 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 wait. Notice the sleight of hand there. We started talking about inflation, and then we ended up talking about prices, but those are different. Inflation is, is a speed. It's a rate. It's how fast prices are rising. So if you're traveling down the highway and you look down uh, at your speedometer, it says 70 miles an hour. That's the rate. That's your speed. But the mile marker on the side of the road is your position. That is the price. The speed on the speedometer is the inflation rate. So the fact that you slow down from 70 to, let's say, 30 or 35 does not mean that you're going to see the mile marker numbers go down. They're going to continue going up, just not quite as fast as before. You know, analogy is always suspect, but that is really on point. I think that's apt for the situation. I'm imagining an officer pulling me over for speeding saying, you know, hey, this is a 55. You're going 80. And I apologize. And he may give me a ticket and I continue down the road. He pulls me over a few minutes later and he says, hey, you were going 70. It's still a 55. And it's like, well, but officer, I've lowered my speed. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> no, no, it turns out it's not. Uh, and, and also, another thing to remember is that all of the price increases we see today are on top of the price increases we already had yesterday. In other words, the fact that prices are going up by 3 or 4% right now does not make up for the fact that they went up 10% before. It's, mm. it's just adding insult to injury. And so people continue to fall behind. This, this is why we right now have a record number of Americans who have 
taken second or even third jobs to try to make ends meet. It's why we have $1.1 trillion of credit card debt, despite the interest rate on those credit cards today being at a record high. This is why we have so many Americans who literally can't afford necessities like rent or groceries. You know, Tony, there are actually at least two different finance companies I've found who have who have propped up in the last couple of years who do nothing but finance groceries. So it's like a specialty credit card that you can only use at the grocery store. You you can't buy like a big screen TV, for example. You, know, you can't use it to fill up your tank at, at the gas station. You can literally only use it for groceries. So that gives you an idea of just how much demand there is to be able to buy food on credit right now. That's scary. It is scary. I mean, the amount of American-held credit card debt for personal families has skyrocketed in the last few years. And you don't have to be Dave Ramsey to realize that's a significant issue. But I wanted to get your perspective on something that uh, I'm not quite familiar with and I don't quite understand. And we'll put this graph on the screen for those on the live stream over at youtube.com slash WIBC. Uh, for those that are listening on the radio at the moment, it looks like a capital letter M with the second hump of the M rather larger. And it seems that we currently are in the valley between the two uh, humps of the M. And EJ, you brought this up. This is obviously a financial graph. And you said history may not repeat, but it rhymes. Can you explain this a little bit for us? Certainly. What, what we essentially saw in the 1970s and even into the beginning of the 1980s was a Federal Reserve that repeatedly made the same mistakes. And unfortunately, today, we seem poised to just redo that entire cycle because the Federal Reserve essentially created tons and tons of money for the government to spend, and that set off inflation. They then uh, began hiking interest rates and tightening the money supply, and that brought inflation down. And when they were on just the, the cusp of success, they decided to backtrack and create, again, tons of money for the government to spend, which then set off an even worse round of inflation in the late 70s and, and into the early 80s. And you're concerned that, that this could be happening again? Because we have. We went through our first COVID round of running the money printers around the clock. You're worried that we may be heading up for even a higher peak of inflation? Exactly, because not only did, did we have already, like you said, the first round of the Fed creating trillions of dollars for the government to spend, both in COVID and then also during the first year and a half of the Biden administration. Right. But now, while we're on the, we're so close to getting inflation down and, and to, again, stabilizing prices. And what is the Fed doing? They're talking about this pivot. In other words, we're going to go from tight money to loose money. We're going to start creating money again and drop interest rates back down. And then we're right back on the inflation roller coaster. Right. And uh, we're on with EJ and Tony uh, from the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget. So this brings us to the 2024 election season, because we're right in the middle of two very perplexing issues in the American economy. Right now, the housing market is superheated. So houses, especially um, in suburban areas, are skyrocketing and priced a great time to sell a home. And those are kind of being scarfed up as quickly as possible. And then we're going into the 2024 presidential elections when the economy uh, is usually kind of polished up as best it can by the reigning administration. How do you see this kind of being affected relating to another round of hyperinflationary spending? 
Well, Tony, I got to say, I'm not sure it is really a good time to, to actually sell a home today, because if you're going to sell a home, then you need to live somewhere else. Right. And that means you're oh, getting yes. a mortgage between typically seven and eight percent, which means you're going to have to seriously downsize. And even if you just want to keep your monthly mortgage payment the same, you can't have anywhere near as big a loan. That's one of the reasons why the, the housing market today is so frozen. But it, you know, looking forward, the fact that it is an election year, I think that has a lot to do with why the Fed is now talking about uh, cutting rates instead of what they used to be talking about, which was the so-called higher for longer. In other words, we need to make sure that inflation is really dead. We can't risk it rising from the grave again. And and now what's happened? Well, you know, now Joe Biden is way behind in the polls. So I guess we're just gonna have to run the money printer again. And, And the really sad thing here for the American people is the fact that the initial effect of that is going to make it look as if the economy is booming. But then the aftershocks, that's when you get the inflation. That's when you get all of these prices going through the roof. But that wouldn't start happening probably until 2025. And that's the concern that I have, because when it, you look at uh, Zimbabwe and Argentina and Russia in the 90s, and you look at these systems in which they started running the money printers around the clock, America's always had, uh, at least in tangent, kind of a habit of running the money printer and then kind of shutting it off and then running the money printer and then shutting it off. How many times do you think we can get away with turning on the money printer before it can't be shut off again? And we end up seeing, you know, T-bill value collapse and, and possibly a hyperinflationary disaster. That's a great, great question. And the problem with answering that is that that point of no return that you're describing has proved to be different for different countries and different places around the world at different times in history. You know, th- wow, that's, this this that's such a level headed modern- response. Oh, it's so refreshing. Please keep going. <laughs> well, the, the problem is this this age of modern central banking that we have today is still relatively new. And then you have to also throw on top of that this wild card that that is essentially we are still the reserve currency of the world now. That's a status that's being very quickly eroded. But for the time being, at least, that is still the case. And so that provides an additional buffer for the United States, a luxury which a lot of other countries don't have. But but again, under this administration, we've really been been squandering that uh, both at home and abroad. So while we can't say precisely where that point of no return is, we can say that the direction we are heading is incorrect. It's just a question of, okay, how close are we actually, again, to that point of no return? Uh, I really appreciate your hopping on with us, EJ Antony. Uh, he is over on Twitter X at Real EJ Antony. And I uh, really appreciate your breaking some of this down for us. We'd love to have you on again to chat a little bit more about kind of things to keep an eye out for and maybe some tips to kind of weather the storm. Well, thank you, Tony. It was great joining you and look forward to doing it again. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Uh, Just a few important notes here, and I I think that I need to do this for me um, more than anything else, is that, uh, Allison, I think I've actually got 
the sound clip to work. All right, so cross your fingers out there. Let's see if we hear old cocaine Mitch McConnell come up here. Not a blessed thing. I tell you what, it is just it has just been one of those weeks. Do you feel me? I like how it's just specifically this clip. Everything else has worked, by the way. I know, and it it, it feels like this should be no problem. I mean, I, I d- do you hear the applause that comes up right about now? No, I'm getting nothing from the the stream deck on applause. Uh, I'm I'm not getting Michael Scott saying how the turntables. This is a very serious issue, so we're gonna have to get that fixed. Um, that's that's not why I brought uh, you over for for just a minute here at the at the end of the show today. Um, because I wanted to talk to you in a kind of an uplifting moment. It's been a very serious week. Uh, been a lot of shenanigans going on. Um, I had an experience with a local business that was just like above and beyond. Have you ever had one of those where like you walked out of a business and you were just kind of like shocked that service that good still exists? Yes, I absolutely do. And I love to hear about it and tell the other people too, because we don't get enough positive feedback anymore. I know if, if I was still popping by on Saturdays uh, for back when I covered for Abdul and it was the Tony Kennett show instead of the Tony Kennett cast, um, I, I feel like the, the home and garden show was, was like a lot of sharing those kind of stories. Um, and, and I wasn't paid to say that, but I would be. So Pat Sullivan, if you're listening, you know, send a little dough my way and we'll, we'll advertise in that direction. <laughs> uh, no, Carmel Piano Solutions. So uh, we had a situation in which um, the... Uh, some relatives of my my brother-in-law had passed away and uh, very, very wonderful, wonderful family. It was actually um, the family who passed away in that plane crash down in Florida uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and they left us a beautiful grand, a baby grand piano. I've always wanted one my entire life. And uh, I, you know, don't have the money right now raising kids and, and traveling for work to chuck at a baby grand piano. Those are expensive. So we went over to uh, Carmel Piano Solutions over in Carmel, as the name might suggest, and the service was just incredible. Like they set up the move, um, the movers moved in the piano in like a week, which was is just unheard of right now. And then scheduled at the same time getting it serviced and repaired. The prices. So I contacted a regular moving company in Indianapolis um, who offered piano moving, and they quoted me. A lot. Well, let's just—they they quoted me over eight hundred dollars to move the piano. Holy Carmel cow! Piano, yeah, a lot. Carmel Piano Solutions was a small fraction of that. So excellent service. They're not sponsoring the show, although I would happily take their sponsorship. Um, phenomenal. Carmel Piano Solutions. Carmel Piano Movers. If you ever need a piano moved for whatever reason, they're also like really great at like piano surgery and getting some stuff set up if you ever need it. Um, I've got another one for you here. The Mug in Greenfield. Um, have you ever been to Ivanhoe's in Upland, Allison? Is that the uh, ice cream place? Yeah, it's got ice cream and burgers and a few other things. Just really, really amazing food. They do strawberry shortcake in the spring and the summer. Ooh, that sounds good. So you, you haven't, have you never eaten up at Ivanhoe's? I had ice cream up there once, but it was ages ago. Okay, so normally people in inside of the Indianapolis Donut counties, they, they never really make it up to Upland. I mean, unless they go to Taylor or Indiana Wesleyan or whatever. Ivanhoe's is fantastic. And we used to stop there as much as we could. It's kind of a tradition. If you're going by Gas City, you're going by Upland, you have to stop at Ivanhoe's. And in Greenfield, we have a small place called The Mug. And they have Ivanhoe's style food. Uh, they sell Sunday's ice cream 
And Sunday's ice cream is a uh, like a Indianapolis ice cream provider. They have an ice cream shop in Lawrence Geist, which is also truly phenomenal because they have the only chocolate ice cream that is never too stiff to stick the spoon into. It's called sticky, chewy chocolate. So like you ever have to like pull ice cream out of the freezer and then wait for it to thaw. That is a brilliant name, by the way. It like it cuts to the point. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I love it. Sticky, chewy chocolates, delicious. It's, it's amazing. Sunrise Cafe in Fishers, Indiana. And this isn't like niche. Like, I'm not telling anyone anything they probably don't already know. Sunrise Cafe in Fishers is always busy for a reason. Um, it's very, very delicious food. And the prices are not insane. You can get Eggs Benedict there, which is phenomenal. Or the Indiana Benedict, which is like Eggs Benedict, but you're swapping the uh, hollandaise sauce for sausage gravy god bless america and they get people in and out really quick which is the most incredible thing like it's a restaurant that's busy but like it's constantly moving have you have you ever been to sunrise cafe uh actually i don't think i have but i definitely want to try this indiana benedict now it's oh it's so good it's so good um it's on 116th so kind of near-ish to the Ikea. Listen to me outside of Indianapolis describing where things are in Fishers. I'm going to get a lot of angry messages. You don't know anything about Indianapolis towns. Nope. Um, I'm going to end the last one here with, with something very important. When you have to have a fast food breakfast, where do you go? Uh, I think I, I like Chick-fil-A for fast mm, food yeah. restaurant. Okay, so that's what everyone always says. Everyone likes Chick-fil-A. And I like, yeah, you like Chick-fil-A. The chicken's good. Chick-fil-A's breakfast has become abysmal in the last couple of years. The biscuit is so dry. It's like someone smushed saltines together. And the chicken patty has been getting smaller and smaller. I have noticed that, yes. The worst thing is that when you order hash browns, they give you a little box that has like six hash browns in it. These little hash brown discs. And you're like, where's the rest of the hash browns? I, and and it that frustrates me because I'm a grown man. If I'm going to have hash browns with my breakfast, I want hash browns, you know. And I think that, and I, I've said this before, and the last time I said it, Hammer almost chucked an axe at my head. So we're going to have to do a segment on the show where I force him to eat both Chick-fil-A breakfast and the new winner, Hardee's. Hardee's breakfast is incredible. Their Nashville hot chicken biscuit is divine. It is from on high. Their staff is always sweet and kind when you pull up to the window. And you you get the perfect breakfast. The only thing it's missing is the Chick-fil-A lemonade. But, oh man, it's the biscuit. The Hardee's biscuits have always been great. But it's a big, juicy chicken breast. And it's spicy in all the right ways. And they give you hash browns. They'll fill the bag with hash browns if you ask them. Here's, oh. here's the follow-up, though. How quick is their drive-thru? Oh, sometimes it can take a minute. It depends okay. on the town. But it's worth Newcastles, it. Newcastles is, is, is quick. Um, Greenfield has two of them. Um, the one by 40 is a little faster, uh, but the one on nine has the, the sweeter lady that runs it. So I don't know. You, you, your difference, your results with different hardies may vary. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for stopping by. We will see you next week. This is the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Say to my friends on the other side of the aisle, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think.